Everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Pete. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show, The Midnight Club. Today we are covering the eighth episode titled Road to Nowhere. Yeah. Whew. Here we go. Um, yeah. yeah. Off the top, those who've watched the episode, I- I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you most likely have watched it, so you are aware. Hope so. <laughs> and you know, but we're going to go ahead and throw it out there. Heavy content warning trigger warning for this week as far as suicide and depression and and things like that it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty heavy uh so yeah we're gonna go ahead and put that out there so if that is something that you are sensitive to and you are listening to this just a last little warning of like you know it's kind of all off the cuff so i don't know what we're all gonna say and what we're gonna talk about but i mean we're breaking down this episode. We're we're going to get into it. We're going to be discussing mm-hmm. it. So we are. Uh, I, I felt. Yeah. Thank you, Paik, for for saying that. I wanted to make sure that we included that. Um, I I had seen a couple of comments online of folks that were like, I guess the warning that Netflix had wasn't as prevalent, or right. they, didn't they just kind of do it at the top, like as the episode yeah. starting. Right, like in the top left corner, yeah. they'll put, you know, here's like the content we're dealing with in this episode. And I think it was mentioned there, but I don't know that everyone pays attention to that. So I think it kind of caught some folks off guard that that's yeah. not what they were expecting. And obviously that can be some pretty heavy, um, you know, triggers for some folks. So just want to make sure that, you know, maybe you've seen the episode, but obviously we are going to talk about it. But we thought it was fair to at least put a warning out there. Um, yeah. it's pretty heavy episode. So, um, it is, <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it, it was a heavy episode, but you know what? I thought this one was so good. Yes, I thought there were some great things really. I, in, in my opinion, great storytelling. I, it didn't push the story, uh, forward. I thought very much, you know, like we're, you know, this bright cliff mystery, uh, the, the ritual, you know, what's going to happen with the kids and Stanton and all these things that, that like our main part of the story. But and I and I'm uh, mm, concerned might be too uh, too strong of a word, maybe. Uh, but there's only a few episodes left. So I'm like, well, we don't have a whole lot of time to wrap it up. But I do think that this was a very well done story and very good yeah. storytelling. What are your thoughts in general? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said, like, did it further a whole lot of stuff? Not necessarily. There was a couple of things that was definitely leading, like, you know, things we were talking about last week with Jade while she was on here. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm thinking this, and, you know, I think maybe this person's up to this, or there's, this. and there was more of that where we started seeing things pop up. We we're like, okay, I wouldn't necessarily call them answers, but it's furthering those things as far as like, oh, so there is something more going on here. And now we've just got to wait to find out what that is. But, yeah. So there are connections and it is moving forward, but yeah, this one was definitely a focus, which <clears throat> Mike Flanagan does so well. This episode was definitely a focus on emotionally connecting you to the characters, specifically Natsuki and mm-hmm. Spence really had their moments again this <laughs> week that were yes. just, we'll talk about them. But I mean, so 
could I complain about like, oh man, you know, we got only two episodes left to wrap this up. Where's the story going? Sure. But also it's why I watch Mike Flanagan is for the emotional connection and the storytelling and the characters. And he delivered tenfold on all of those in this episode. So yeah, I'm happy with that. I got what I come to Flanagan for <laughs> for him to wreck my life with all of the emotions. So he came through. He did it. This <laughs> he sure did. You were <laughs> so on point as always. Uh, I mean, yeah, we we know what we're getting right. with Mike Flanagan. I know I sound like a, a broken record. I say it all the time, and sorry, but uh, yeah, you know what you're gonna get if if and if this is your first introduction then maybe you don't know that but let us tell you that's if you watch any of the other series this is this is kind of what he does and i do love that i i'm not super concerned because i do have faith that he that the story is going to wrap yeah that he's that the the time is there you know for him to wrap the story as it needs to be so i'm not really concerned but i am like wow i'm surprised i guess that this wasn't maybe an episode five or something uh episode instead of eight uh, just because it didn't really move the main story forward. But again, like you were saying, he does such a great job at really taking a deep dive into these characters. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, we've gotten some things from Natsuki in the series so far, but man, nothing like nothing like this. Like we really yeah. got a dive and and that's what I love about what Mike Flanagan does so well is yeah, you're going on this journey with th- this character or multiple characters in an episode and he's going to take you there. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to talk about. Okay. I love that. You're so right. Uh, <laughs> as usual. Well, there is a lot to talk about this week. So yeah, I'm gonna be with- <laughs> honest. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this episode without, needing a moment at some point we will it's see okay. uh <laughs> okay this one's yeah the, the emotions are definitely high on this one i feel the itchy eyes and the dehydration just from watching it earlier before jumping on here still mm-hmm. so got my 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 water got my Lacroix. I'm yeah keep hydrating keep hydrating <laughs> i think i've i've i don't have water but yeah i've got my hydration here next to me too and uh we're just gonna <laughs> We're going to get through it. Uh, so, well, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? This might just be kind of therapeutic for both yeah. of us uh, tonight. I, I know. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where this is going to go either. Like, obviously, I have points and things that I want to say, but I feel like, you know, sometimes our conversations take, take us to places and take me to places that I, I never know that I'm going to say until we're yeah. having this conversation. So <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this uh-huh. yet either. So um, go ahead and kick us off. All right. I'm going to just... First point, super short, super sweet's not the right word, but <laughs> but just knock it out, get it out of the way. Let's talk about what's the last thing on our mind, the way the episode ended, the closing scene. Yeah. What the fuck, Kevin? That's what we're going to talk about. Oh um, my God, that's <laughs> what I, I have on my note. Kevin, WTF, yep. like question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> that's the last image we're really left with of the episode so let's just get that out of the way let's talk about that real quick yeah let's it's a quick one it's a small little thing but yeah (laughs) because it's all a quick scene uh really Mm -hmm. i mean you know we have after all of the very emotional stuff we'll get to but yeah alanka's laying up in her room here's this like tormented wailing and crying coming from the basement 
the sub-basement even, and heads mm-hmm. down to investigate, and it's that creepy dead woman again that we keep seeing throughout the whole series. Uh, but instead of just fear, finally Alonka decides to confront her, which seems a little crazy, but... Yeah, what the hell? The more I thought about it, I was like, well, if something like this just keeps ha- like appearing and happening over and over and over and over again... So like, I get finally it'd be like, fine, what's your deal? What do you want? Because like, obviously mm-hmm. this isn't going to end. So haunt me, kill me, tell me what you want. I don't know. Just let's just do something else other than me being ah, all the time. So I kind of get that. Finally, she's like fed up with it. I get it. I just don't think I could do that. <laughs> right? I, I definitely would not be going down to the basement by myself. <laughs> and I would I don't know that I would be confronting uh, right. whatever the hell this being or spirit ghost whatever uh but <laughs> I, I i see that i'm like yeah you know what enough's enough yeah so, yeah, so I, I, I feel like me. yeah it was definitely going with that and then after all of our theorizing and wondering about an apparent connection yeah alanka touches the woman and it turns into kevin wtf uh yeah <laughs> and the way he just goes oh no and he's looking around, and he goes, not again. And I'm like, oh, yep. So uh, this, is, this is the secret that he's kept. Uh, what does it mean? We still don't know. I'm curious. But yeah, it, it does answer that he is definitely connected to this entity in some way. We've said that he seems to always kind of be around or pop up whenever she sees this woman. So mm-hmm. the fact that it literally turned into Kevin, it's like, don't know what that's about. But yes, it does confirm that they are connected. Uh, maybe not on purpose on his end. Uh, right. But so, I mean, it may not be anything he's doing necessarily, but there's definitely something going on that has connected him to it. Again, not really any answers, but but we got something served up to us, at least <laughs> a little bit of something. We sure did. Well, obviously, Kevin in this scene was one of my points as well. So I'll just add to it and go along. So I, I agree with you. I it does seem to be involuntary. He seemed distressed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that this happened again. And I don't think, yeah, that he's at fault that this is happening. You know, we've alluded. And again, we don't have any answers. These are all still just kind of theories uh, from my perspective, you know, that he could be possessed because he mentioned uh, sleepwalking, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, uh, so he doesn't really seem to be aware that it's happening until he is aware, maybe getting woken up or finding himself, you know, maybe he's in bed and then he finds himself down a hallway somewhere. So definitely sounds like this has happened more than once. Doesn't sound like he's having a good time with it uh, at all, but it's curious why Kevin, I wonder, you know, why Kevin out of, the other kids there uh, that this is happening to, is there a deeper connection between the, whoever this dead woman is and Kevin? Or is it just he just got to be the lucky one or something, <laughs> something about him that uh, connected her? It, that may not matter. I, I'm just curious why Kevin and not a, a, another uh, kid there at Brightcliff. Right. So I don't know. It was pretty freaky, uh, but I'm glad that we finally got a little something, even though it cut off pretty, pretty quick there and we didn't get a whole lot. I'm glad yeah, that we finally established that. Yep. There's something. Yeah, he's <laughs> something definitely be, ending up doing something, even if it is just wandering around in the dark and 
crying and saying he's hungry. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Again, hungry for what? What the hell? <laughs> like, whatever it is. But but it kind of didn't. He knows something is going on. To what capacity he knows, I'm not sure. Everything. But but enough to where that's the, the metaphors and stuff in his story, his dusty stories he's been telling is this whole being compelled by some other power to do things he might not want to do. Whatever oh, that extent is, I don't know. That's a but. good tie-in, yeah, that he's, he's yeah, being compelled in his, his other stories. Yeah. Or in his story. Kind of by like an this old, thing creepy, silent him. woman. Yeah, you know, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. That does well, talk, but yeah. <laughs> we, keep, we keep kind of seeing in the stories, and I know we're going to talk about Natsuki's story, but, you know, especially in her story this week, and I think from the other stories... You know, and it was said, was it Spence maybe that said in one of the episodes or maybe Amish said, um, you write what you know. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that that is a big part of where his story is coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a what a moment. But I'm it was it was kind of thrilling in a way like I knew it. You know, (laughs) there was something Uh, is evil. I don't know. I don't think so. But I mean, they've they've certainly alluded to something going on. So it was good to kind of get that little, you know, we we may not have all the answers, but there was something there. Right. It was good. Yeah. Oh, poor Kevin. Poor, poor Kevin. Maybe maybe now he'll get a little sympathy, you know, uh, instead of, you know, creepy Kevin or evil Kevin or, right. you know, whatever. <laughs> He's a good boy. He's just possessed by some old... Creepy dead woman. It's fine. It's fine. Not his fault. Not his fault. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. Yeah, it's, yeah, we got to talk about Kevin. Mm -hmm. So glad, glad that that was your first point. Well, that was uh, one of my points as well. So go ahead and and let's talk about your next one. All right. Uh, Let's get to the somehow be emotional story of the episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) The one that Still definitely had me in tears, but wasn't the main emotional one. But I just talk about yeah. Spence and one, Shuri. Uh, punch this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kind of combine them, Spence and Shuri, because she's there with him throughout all of this. And she's actually the one that really initiates, you know, or in- encourages him to to do what he does, go and speak to his mom. Uh, I love which, that. <laughs> the enigma that is Shuri. I I love it. She's so aware of her reputation of telling lies that she in fact just embraces it. <laughs> and she's almost having fun. Like she's having fun with it that yeah. nobody knows when she's serious or making something up. She's just a full on mystery and loves being that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I love it too. I think it's great. I'm like, just just go with it, Shuri. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, oh yeah, you used to cut the the hair of the boys in your dorm or whatever. And it's just like and she's like, yep, that's what I said. And he goes, hold on. Is that what you said or what you did? Because I mean, you know, <laughs> does it matter? You know? <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, and then so then he asks, you know, well, that story you told at the ritual about this girl that you were in love with is like, was that true? And she's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Which I love that she will say if something is true or not when it is true. And then you kind of believe her at that point. But. Mm-hmm. So she kind of has that tells like maybe if something she said wasn't true, then she'll just be like, who knows? You know, uh- <laughs> <laughs> girls got to have a little mystery, right? Yeah. Right. But so Spence and her already kind of connects. He was like, so you're gay. And it was just this like, man, that sh- you know, hope 
you know, did you tell your parents? Yeah, I would hope that went better than mine. It's like, why? You know, what, 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 why is that? And they kind of get to know each other a little bit better in that regard and that, that conversation, which is kind of sad for Sheree because the way that she was just like, her parents don't even care. You know, I, I, as funny as it was, it was also kind of like sad. But she goes, I could tell them I'm hooked on heroin or that I was pregnant with octuplets and they would react probably the same. They just they just don't care. They're not there enough to even care what's going on in my life. Uh, which, <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. So she was like, so at least you have parents who care enough, even if it's not the kind of care you want, even if you know it's going to go poorly, at least, you know, and she even says you're the one that's brave because you knew it was going to go bad and you still told them anyway. That's courage. Mm. And yeah, I love this. So just Shuri, my beautiful, wonderful, caring, loving, warm-hearted Shuri. Uh, I know. I love her more and more every week. I, do. I know. She's she's just been for I feel like the first half almost kind of just in the background and quiet, <laughs> didn't really know anything about her, but she's really since that episode when she gave Alanka uh the wig and Amesh the uh PlayStation, you know, you really start to you know see her and realize how much of a kind heart you know she really yeah. has and you know I, I i find her interesting and kind of quirky and yeah she's you know definitely uh kind of on my warm side yeah right now yeah she's she's an incredible friend she cares yeah. and she listens and i love that probably because she doesn't have that herself mm-hmm. you know it doesn't sound like she has a very supportive present family maybe they support her financially and give her like you know all of these you know uh, expensive things and you know whatever but not the things that matter right and that's a bummer yeah so so the other half of that of course is really spence ah so he does he ends up going to his parents house to speak his mind to his mom Stop hiding. Just be honest. Whatever happens, you know. Uh, of course, when she when he walks into the house, she's watching this televangelist who's just peddling hate for donations. Uh, you know, <laughs> when he shows up, that's what's going on, and kind of sets that scene of like, oh, what mindset is she going to be in when he walks in? Like, what's going on? But man, that speech that's uh, got me in tears. So that's say I'm not necessarily soapboxes this week but just hopefully messages that people maybe need to hear or need to you know so i'm, I'm mm-hmm. hoping you know that's but yeah that that speech that he gets just that was first time in the episode that was just in tears uh because you know he kind of gives a speech that, you know if his mom's not gonna love him and accept him that sucks but he has people that do and they're enough so it's her loss if she chooses her way and that's some really powerful stuff Yes, uh, and so it you know makes me think you know just I put this out there and it's it's hard especially people who come from religious backgrounds like I do uh, and mm-hmm. you know different things this is a hard message and some people might not agree with me still but I'm gonna put it out here blood and relation is not always family if they don't accept you for you you know maybe someone needs to hear that that you know if you're in a place in your life where you're capable on your own people that are related to you don't have to be your family anymore if it is actively hurting you. You can yes. still love them. It can be sad. But if it is killing you physically, metaphorically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, get out. Find your family. And that's what Spence has done. And I think that's 
beautiful. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Uh, I'm, I, because I am also not of the belief that just because you're related by blood, that that somehow that person or people are due all of the respect that they think that they're deserving of. If it is not a good relationship, if it's toxic and regardless of the relation, you know, you don't have to have those people in your life and family does not always mean blood. And you and I, are really good examples of that. Uh, you know, I consider you my family. We are not related by blood. And we also just came off of, um, well, and I know that we talked about it in last week's episode because we had to uh, push our recording back a day because we were traveling. And the reason we were traveling is because we spent several days with people that we have chosen as our family. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a, a really similar situation that you know, maybe many people that we were with and many people in similar situations, maybe you're lucky enough to have family that is loving and caring and non-judgmental and accept you for who you are. And, uh, but you also have friends that you can call family and do the same for you. But if not, you choose your family. You yeah. know, we, we have done that. Um, I consider, you know, many, if not all that we met and spent time with my family that I Absolutely. know that regardless of what happens with my own family, because I've, I've, I've cut a couple of family members out of my life. I've been yeah, there. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. It's a very painful, difficult thing to do, but I've, I've done it because it's not good for my mental health and it's not good for me and the torment that I have uh, endured uh, by trying to keep the family members in my life and to keep things going well. So I have chosen to just like, I'm just, it's just a no contact kind of thing. So it's not an easy thing. I don't talk about it like it's an easy thing because it's not. And everyone has to make their own decisions for them. But like you said, I encourage everyone to just really take care of yourself. Right. I mean, this is your life is yours. And like, that's all you get is your life, you know? So if you know, the people that you surround yourself with and the circumstances you're in make up what your life is. And if you are in a position and you're capable of, of making that surrounding better, even if you have to cut some people off, mm-hmm. if it, if it is making your life better and taking care of things and taking things out that are hurting you, it may be worth it. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and especially like in Spence's circumstances, because he knows he's going to have a shorter life. Right. But in honesty, it doesn't matter how long you are here on this earth, whether it's maybe in the case of these kids, you know, in their terminal illnesses, they might not see 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, so it doesn't matter if it's a short life, like they're experiencing on the show, or you live a really long life. All life is short. We are we are all very limited to the time that we have here, so uh, it's I think really important to surround yourself with people that love you and accept you for who you are, um, without judgment. So whomever that is, I I would encourage that, and I I loved this so much for Spence. And you know one thing that I really he's obviously one of um, one of my points too that I'll add to what you're saying. I I really like 
that when he walks in and talks to his mom, he's calm. Yeah. He doesn't come in yelling or, you know, uh, making a scene or anything like that. And we've seen that Spence can have a little bit of a temper. You know, we've seen him get a little short with Mark, you know, yeah. and, and he can be, you know, a little short, temperamental, not to say that he can't be. I mean, I, I have to keep reminding myself and people keep reminding me too. And I always appreciate that, that these are teenagers and they're going to yeah. be like teenagers. <laughs> and sometimes they're going to annoy me and it's okay. That right. That happens. I'm trying. I'm like, oh yeah, you have to be okay with that. And because um, teenagers can be annoying, it doesn't mean that they're yeah. bad or anything like that, or bad characters. But they are teenagers, and they're going to act like teenagers. So I have to keep reminding myself of that. So I'm not saying it's bad, but we've seen him be a little temperamental. We've seen him be a little short sometimes. Yeah. And so I think that it really, I think, shows a little bit of growth with him that he one was able to go and confront his mom. And also do it in a very calm manner, because I think that if he had went in there and maybe yelling at her and being very confrontational, it would have went a very different way. And I don't yeah. think that and we didn't get to see her reaction. Right. Like she didn't get to respond. Really. Yeah, like he, I, I, he left. I kind of wish like at first I was thinking, like, I really wish we could have seen what her response would have been. But the more I thought about it, I was like, nope, you know, it I like the way he handled it because he said his piece mm-hmm. and he left. And I get that because if she really cares enough to say something meaningful back, she has to initiate it. It is on her. He has let go of that responsibility. Absolutely. So I I am hopeful that he gets through to her and that mm-hmm. she heard him and that maybe within the next couple of episodes, we'll see a positive reaction from yeah. her because I I, hold, I I agree 100% with what you said it's on her now that he's he's done trying to make that connection you know uh, either forcing it with his mom or forcing it through his dad because you know we saw some interactions with him and his dad and he's like well hey let's just go over there now you know talking about his mom's you know birthday and things like that in previous episodes and it sounds like he's trying to be more involved and, and you can you know this has to hurt him. Remember when they did the ritual for Anya and he had that stack of movie tickets? That was yeah. his uh, sacrifice uh, to the ritual was that stack of tickets. So clearly he and his mom had this really great relationship before. Yeah. And that obviously meant enough to him that that was the one thing that was most precious to him to to sacrifice. So I, I can only imagine the amount of hurt you know, coming from from him that this has uh, the relationship has degraded to where it is now. And for him to keep pushing to have the same relationship, but she's, you know, has this wall up and she refuses. You're right. He's definitely backing off of that now and being like, hey, you know what? I'm saying my piece and now it's up to you. I'm I'm letting this go. We're just if you don't come to me, we're just not going to have a relationship. You know, you you have to do something too. You have to do do some work here, and and I like that. So I'm hoping that because she or because he didn't come in yelling or being aggressive or confrontational, that she hears that. So I'm hoping for a positive response. If not, I yeah. think he'll be okay. But it'd be great to you know let him have that. Yeah. You know, before before his time comes. So I I liked that he. 
he was able to do that in a calm calm manner because i don't think she would have heard him i think it would have went an entirely different way had he come in and they're kind of storming and yeah yelling or something but yeah beautiful moment really really proud of spence and i love that he had mark there i'm glad he had sheree there you mm-hmm. know being there and being supportive um of his decision and just being there and uh, uh, supportive in general of you know him saying what he needed to say thought that was great still not getting enough of mark though I know. We've got Zach Gilford <laughs> in the show, and we've seen him like three times. What is? Come on. <laughs> I know. I'm. I just. Oh, I hope he's really in some more uh, of, of other series more often. I know we've got a couple of, you know, very few cameos. Some not even like on screen. You're just hearing voices, yeah. you know, of cameos. So we're at least getting more of him than we are of some other characters. But at the same time, I'm just such a huge fan of Zach Guilford that damn yeah. it, I just can't get enough of him. I've got to go <laughs> seek out some more of his um work because he's I think just fantastic. So anyway, yeah, I love I, I agree with everything that you just said. That's that's really great. Um yeah, I was just looking over my notes on Spence and Cherie, and I think think we've said it all. So let's move on to your next one. Right. Where do I lead the conversation next? That's the <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm totally the... fine with it. I've had a long week, and I've got yeah. more travel coming tomorrow. I'm totally fine taking this yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, next one. Let's talk about Shasta. If that is her real name, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> man, uh, we we talked about her a lot with Jade. Jade had a lot of great thoughts last week. Yeah, those who listened to that, and so it really made me think about a lot of things. So going into this episode, I definitely now definitely like feel that she's manipulating Alanka very hard, and then we really see that through this episode. That you know, you're so full of light all the time, but today. Yeah, it's brighter, you know, Mm-mm. just just feeding into this, you know, building her up. But also she's feeding into this savior complex that Alanka has somehow let herself develop. Uh, yeah. You know, where it's like, you know, we, we can do all this and we can save your friends and you're just so brilliant. And so and it's. It's clearly manipulative. There is something going on you know it's just you know you're a special girl the ritual worked to some degree uh and you know cult. you should definitely just come in and join my cult i mean <laughs> oops collective group compound cult yeah um <laughs> i mean it's i mean well to us maybe it's not so obvious if you're in the situation it's easy to be manipulated in here the things you want to hear but i'm just like oh my gosh it just feels so obvious you know, right cult. i mean there's like these like the one that I was just like while watching out loud just went, what the fuck is and when she invites her to stay and then you just see all the other people standing around had just like stopped and were frozen, like staring at nope. her. Like, so, nope. I was like, what the hell? That is the creepiest thing. And then I feel like she's tipping her hand just a little bit. I still don't know what she's up to, but the way she's just like, oh, and hey, you know, that journal with all the ritual and sacrifice stuff in it. I'd totally love to get my hands on it for uh 
research purposes and stuff you know nothing weird at all just for fun <laughs> like wouldn't it be totally crazy and cool if you like gave it to me for just, reasons just you know for nothing. <laughs> you know just like to take a peek man <laughs> oh my gosh i so I shady agree with you yeah i was like oh my gosh you're just you're just eating this up and and i think you make a good point that definitely goes into this savior complex she's feeding into you know on alanka's side but I was like, oh, wow, she's totally manipulating her right now. And and even though I was getting those bad vibes, as soon as everyone turned, like stopped what they were doing and was turned, and st- I was like, no, that's no, that's cult. That's cult behavior. Sorry. That's, that's right. creepy. That's weird. Why did everyone just stop and they're staring at you? I don't know. I, again, maybe Alanka's hearing what she wants to hear and she's eating it up. That's exactly. But, she doesn't give two shits about the other people. I don't think Shasta does. That she's, where she's like, we can save your friends. No, she's got something else, some other agenda. But like you said, she's telling Alanka what she wants to hear. That's what I'm feeling. Where it's, you know, yeah, like we could we could save your friends and feeding into that. Where you know, Alanka's not even thinking about the fact that maybe, like we said, Anya could have been the sacrifice. Yeah, just that, like all that she's thinking and being fed into is like, oh no, without me, who's going to magically save all the others? It's a bad path that mm-hmm. she's going to find herself down. I agree. Yeah, Shasta's been giving me some bad vibes the last episode or two, and yeah, that conversation that we had with with Jade last week, she definitely, you know, gave a little more food for thought and kind of. Was like, yeah, you know what, uh, and 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 then it makes sense because the evil people are always the ones that are like, you know, charming and affable and agreeable. Like Shasta's kind of been, you know, uh, welcoming and kind, and then like Doctor Stanton, you know, is you know uh, has rules and you know they're kind of to the point and. You know, so you look at Dr. Stanton and you can be like, oh, well, she's just being, you know, um, rigid with the kids. And now she's starting to establish these rules and stuff like she's the bad one. No, nope, it's it's always the other way. It's right. always the um, the evil person kind of behaving like like Shasta does. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. definitely going down that path as well. I was like, no, you're way too manipulative uh, at this at this point. Right. Uh, so even with the journal, like I was mentioning, it's just like, you know, how do mm-hmm. I get these? Like, I'd love to have it. She's like, well, Stanton has it. She's like, well, what can we do about that? And it's like, what do you, <laughs> I was like, well, right. good luck. It's, it's ashes now. So good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Alonka doesn't even know about that. She just thinks right. Stanton's got it. She doesn't even know that it doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah. Really good <laughs> point. Interesting to see where where that's gonna go and who who she really is what's her real agenda you know if if we find that out i mean i feel like it's not good i feel pretty confident saying that at this point well i'll add to what what you said there because alanka is one of my points as well well, specifically Alanka. I know you were talking about Shasta, but since Alanka is a part of that conversation, I just want to say I'm really annoyed with her right now. That's she... my next point. So, yeah, so it ties in. <laughs> I was like, God, she's unbearable this episode. I And I hate that because I feel like she, you know, 
I really liked her in the beginning, but she has mm-hmm. just gotten even more unlikable the further we've gotten into this series. Right. And I, we've talked about it a little bit about the different things that she's done or different things that she said and how she's behaved. And like I was talking about, you know, earlier when we were talking about Spence and, you know, I know that she's a teen acting like a teen. And I have to keep reminding myself about that. I was like, you have to quit getting your your panties in a wad here about how they're <laughs> behaving because you got to remember they're teenagers and teenagers can be really annoying. Yeah. I, I, I still can be okay with being annoyed at them, um, especially with Alonka when she's acting like a brat. But, you know, she, I think she's buying into how smart she thinks she really is. Yeah. And I'm not saying that she's not smart. I mean, you do have to, you know, be smart enough to make Salutarian like she was. I'm probably not saying that right. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, you can be book smart and not have any common sense. And I feel like that's where we are with Alonka. Like you might be smart. You might be really book smart. You might have, you know, you've read a lot of books. You have a lot of knowledge. You can remember a lot of details and facts and stories. But I don't think this girl has any common sense at all. And she's acting entitled. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she is like grilling Stanton to know who gets to go home before that person does, why do why do you get to know, or why do you think that you get to know? Oh, yeah. that information. Stanton, Stanton's getting tired of her shit, yeah. and I was kind of like, I found myself at the beginning of this episode like siding with Stanton. I was like, yeah, no, um, I'm all like, you can see how annoyed she was that first that Alonka heard her on the phone, like. Oh my god! I did not. Did I not say go back to your rooms and quit? Like, I was no like, no kidding. There's nobody listening. But then she's also very right with what she says. I mean, you don't want to tell patients anything unless what it's confirmed. Heck? False hope that gets pulled out from under you is awful. You know, you want to talk about depression and stuff. We'll get to later. But like, no knowing kidding. that your life's coming to an end sucks, and then thinking that you're going to live only to have that dashed away right after could maybe be worse. Like Stanton calls it cruel to have to do something like that. And I'm like, it yeah, is I'm siding with that. Alonka was kind of being unbearable. We deserve to know. It's cruel not to tell us. It's like, no, you heard something that was not for you. And if something that's tangible comes across, then yes, you'll know. Stanton's not hiding anything from anybody. She's waiting for the right time. She's making sure that if she's going to give important news, that it's real. <laughs> exactly. And Obviously, Stanton wants to do her due diligence by making sure all the tests are completed, resulted, maybe ran twice, you know, or gotten second opinions or whatever it is that she's doing to get this confirmation is the right thing to do. You you, you are in a hospice. Everyone there... the children anyway, are dealing with a terminal illness. They have accepted their fate, right? They've made peace with, hey, I'm dying. My time is limited. I could not wake up tomorrow. I mean, we all know that our time is limited, but when you're terminal, that's, I've not personally experienced that, so I won't talk like I do, but, you know, she's she's made, or all the, the kids there have made, the, well, maybe with the exception of Alonka. I don't think Alonka has really ever accepted the fact of, you know, that she has an illness and it's going to cut her life, uh, you know, a lot shorter than what she had expected. You don't go giving false hope to anyone. Could you imagine what that would be like if, if, you know, it's bad enough she went and told Kevin. Right. I mean, I'm like, what if it was 
Kevin or what if it what if she says it and it's not I think it is she's right it's cruel you don't want anyone to think that they've got some kind of false hope and then to to have it pulled out from under them again they've made peace they have some sort of peace about their situation don't interrupt that peace and it just made me so angry at Alanka. And then when she calls mm-hmm. out Stanton during therapy about so being honest, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. She should have just dragged her ass right out of that therapy session and said, go to your room, you know, right. and, you know, you. Oh, honesty. To- That's what you want from us. I'm like literally going, petty bullshit. Like, come on, Alanka. It's super <sighs> annoying. Again, I know that she's a teenager, but, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't excuse her behavior as far as getting to know information about someone else. And it it might be about her. I know she asked her, she's like, is it me? And she's like, no. Or is it about me? And she's like, no. It might be Alonka. Um, yeah. But she still shouldn't get to know that until it's been confirmed. So super annoying because she still went against her rules and still went and told Kevin anyway, which she had no business doing. Right. So I'm I'm really irritated with her at the moment. She's definitely uh, her her like my list of favorite characters in this show. She has definitely moved down. Same. <laughs> the yeah. list pretty far. <laughs> I'm not feeling great about it right now. Pretty irritated. Yeah. Which I think it's supposed to be that way. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. maybe one of the things that, you know, one of the underlying themes of this series following Alonka's story could be the dangers of obsessing over things that you don't have the full picture of or, you know, mm-hmm. holding too tight onto to things that aren't tangible. I mean, who knows what kind of, you know, thematic elements Mike Flanagan's trying to hide within everything that he's doing. But you know. That's true. I mean, I don't know how it's all going to play out by the time the story's over. Maybe. Maybe it'll end on an upswing for Alonka, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. There's, I'm sure, a purpose, and it probably is intentional. Yeah, you know the way that this is unfolding. But um, if it is, it's working for yeah, me. Definitely, <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> making me go like, "Oh my god, shut up!" <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, "Shut up, Alonka. Just <sighs> shut up." I'm, I'm just making this motion like, zip. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of hearing you talk right now. Just be quiet." So. Yeah. That's probably the mother in me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like I said, teenagers. Um, All right. What's your next point? Yeah. So that kind of ties into my next point. Not necessarily just Alonka. Like Alonka annoying the ever living crap out of me. Mm -hmm. This episode is part of it. But really, yeah, the the point that I wanted to talk about is just. So who who is healed? Who? (gasps) Yes. That's that's what I want to know is, you know, I want to know as bad as Alonka does. but. I'm a viewer. I can get away with it. Um, no. <laughs> so I do wonder, yeah, because as you mentioned, Stanton does tell Alonka, no, it's not her. And I was like, well, is that true? It, or is it Alonka? And she lied to her to, you know, again, aforementioned false hopes where she's like, I'm not going to sit here and tell her it is her. And then later I have to be like, yeah, so you know how I, I said it was you, but actually, no, it's not real. You know, she doesn't want to do the same thing to Alonka either. So even if it is her, she's not going to tell her. Uh, so I do wonder. Who it is. We do get at least one big clue later in the episode. Stanton does get another call, uh, and the health of the patient is confirmed. Somebody definitely is cleared. 
somebody is going home. Uh-huh. Somebody has. And then that the fact that it says, you know, can you fax me the results for her file? And I was like, her, we have that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so, yeah, this is more of a note than a point for me, but it narrows it down to Sandra, Cherie, Natsuki, or Lanka. If, mm-hmm. you know, again, depending on if, if you believe what Dr. Stanton said earlier. But, yeah, she did refer to them as her. And I think she was assuming, again, that no one was hearing overhearing that conversation she's really got to like close her door right you know like look you are dealing with i get that all these kids form very close bonds and maybe they are a lot like family uh instead of just friends or roommates and things like that and at brightcliff but you're still dealing with medical and personal information shut your door you know yeah (laughs) your doctor remember um hipaa and all that stuff. Exactly. So <laughs> let's yeah. Shut the door. <laughs> Privacy. So yeah. So I'm 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 wondering who it is. And yeah, so she goes and tells Kevin. So I was like, damn, she's it's not even three minutes into the episode, and I'm like over it. Uh right. But then I like Kevin's response because it was one of a lot of like rationality and sanity. Where he's like, Yeah, it's very possible it's a lab error or a misreading, which is why Stanton's being cautious about it. Of course. He's like, and if it is true. Cool. That's great news for someone, but don't fucking obsess over it. Damn. Like, <laughs> I think that's what she does. We've seen how she ob- obsessed over this whole story about Julia Jane. Yeah. Potentially this life saving ritual or healing ritual. Uh, we, yeah. We've seen that this just seems to be a part of her personality, I think. Yeah. I mean, and she's wrapped up in that still with this. She's immediately attributing that possibility of somebody being healed to that ritual. She's so wrapped up in it. She's, you know, again, yes, this is a TV show where clearly supernatural stuff is going on. Yeah. But but my rational brain, like putting myself into the show in the situation is like screaming while watching this. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, you kind of are acting crazy. Like, chill out. You know, coincidences like coincidences do exist, homie. Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't have to hear this news and immediately go like the ritual worked, blood sacrifice. We're going to do it. Like, yeah. Calm down. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're you're totally right. I I do that too. I do that too. So yeah, man. So I, I wanna no answer. So it was kind of like a two part point where it's just like, God, Alonka was awful with a lot of things in this episode. I was just like, man, she needs to learn to like not obsess and let things go a little bit. But that thing that she does ties into that previous point about Shasta, like She's using that to her advantage. She knows that she's picked up that Alonka is like that and is very easy to to glom onto things and obsess over things. So she's using that and manipulating her to her advantage. So mm-hmm. I really feel. But so it's like, oh, it's frustrating. But also we are getting the confirmation that, yes, yeah, somebody is no longer terminal and we don't know who that is. We still kind of maybe assume it's Alonka. I don't know. Alonka seems to assume it's Alonka. Uh, she sure does. <laughs> well, it must be me. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing about Shasta, too, is that's what makes an effective cult leader is they can really hone in on that person and what makes them tick or their vulnerabilities. She, I think, has heard enough from Milanka that she is definitely honed in on that and her obsession with all of this. And I think it's also serving Shasta too. So she's just feeding into that. But I think, yeah, she's, she's definitely 
you know, knows her personality and um, that's what's making her so effective about luring her in. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, boy. She's definitely gotten pretty obsessive. And, you know, to a point, I do, too. I, I get, uh, a, you know, I have, like, I feel like obsessions ab- about things and very weird, strange things. It This happened to me. I can go off on a tangent just to bring a little personal experience into it about talking about obsessions and mine being very weird, you know, not trying to, like, save a, a dying person or myself. Uh, when I can't find something, like when I know that I have something here in my space, in my home, and I can't find it, I will obsess. Like, Yeah, I've been no there end. before too. Like, where the hell is it? I know it's here somewhere and I'm pretty, yeah, I've been there. I know exactly it's, what you're talking about. And maybe that's not unique to me. There's probably tons of people listening right now like, yeah. <laughs> that's not really that uncommon. If I feel a little like my daughter will think that I'm like, would you let it go? You know, <laughs> like, are you still right. no, I get that. that it's like, you're like so, I can't function until I know where this thing is. Like, it's completely inconsequential. But unless I know where it is, my life is over. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and this was very inconsequential there. We, we were decorating for Christmas over the, the weekend and we were putting up, we were going to go outside and hang up the lights out on the balcony. And I had last year when we were doing that, I bought an extension cord because it didn't reach my outside outlet. So I needed to get uh, like a little extension cord. Where the hell is that thing? I have zero clue. I thought it was mm-hmm. with all the Christmas stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I went on an insane hunt for that yesterday while we were trying to decorate. We were actually supposed to have left to go to my brother's. We were supposed to have left and uh, I put my shoes on and my coat and said, I'm running to the storage unit. To, and she's like, are you going to go look for that cord? Because that's where I keep my Christmas decorations. Yeah. And I thought, oh, it must have fallen out of something or whatever. And she's like, we got to leave. I'm like, it's fine. I'll be back in like 20 minutes. <laughs> like, that's that's how bad it gets. It gets worse. But I was like, I, can, I, I couldn't leave. I couldn't rest. I couldn't move on until I found that damn cord. Um yeah. Spoiler alert, I didn't find the cord. I'm buying it. <laughs> but it's driving me insane. It's still in the bag. It's still driving my thoughts. It's hard for me to concentrate, even though I'm right. not you'll, physically. You'll buy a new one. You'll use it. And, and I'm going to find you go it. To put it up, when you go to put it up, you'll put it in the place where the other one is. You go, oh, there's the old one. Um. And I know that when whatever I did with it last year when we were taking decorations down, I know that where, wherever I put the cord, because I wouldn't get rid of it because I know I was going to need it mm-hmm. again. So I know I wouldn't have gotten rid of it or anything like that. So I know that. I thought I was so clever while I am like tearing Alanka up about and like what you were saying about being <laughs> super obsessed about this. And now it's making me, um, you know, just like stop at Alanka and wanting to kind of, you know, smack some sense into her or something. Um, I'm also pretty annoying sometimes when <laughs> looking for a stupid cord for decorations. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very uh, long tangent there. Out of left field. So sorry. Um, what's your next point? Uh, well, do you have how many do you have left? Because I think that was kind of the wrap up of my technical point two. Uh, number two. Oh, was that uh, was that just your number two? It was. Well, um, I have one more, and then like a few small notes. Okay. So yeah, uh, because yeah, the last point that I have is the big one. You know it's, that I always gotta focus on the story of the week and 
that's where it's going to get rough. So if we want to go there, we can, or I, we can, I think it's, I'm sure maybe that's what your last one is too. So it is. It is. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. <sighs> right. Um, let's talk about let's it. I've been doing pretty good this so far. Conversations about other things has maybe got me in a mind space. I'm like, oh, we're just talking. We're just talking about the episode. You'll be okay. I'm going to do it. Pay. I'm going to make it. Um, it's going to be fine. But yeah, so let's let's get to it. Road to nowhere. Uh, which before the sport, yeah, you know, we've seen Natsuki having some struggles. This episode, that depression really is kind of sitting with her when Amesh goes to get her earlier in the day, or at least to kind of invite her like, hey, after Midnight Club, we'll go for a walk or we'll do this. And she was very much like, I just need my own space today, which is good. It's great. Sometimes you need that. Mm-hmm. It's also important she that she reaches out to a mesh later because sometimes you don't want to, you know, like you need that, but you also don't want to only have that, you know, uh, you, you also stepping outside of it from time to time and really letting others in, even when it's hard is important too. So I'm glad that she recognizes that and knows that. <clears throat> but yeah. So he assumes she's not coming to midnight club, which it's, Canceled, I guess, you know, the <clears throat> library doors are locked, which I had a little note about that. Because it's like, yeah, the library's locked, but I guess you could have still met, like, in the foyer or the beach or, like, it's literally anywhere that's not the library. Yeah, it's a big house. Like, Plenty of yeah, I know the library's tradition, but it's like, but, I mean, you don't have to cancel. <laughs> There's so many places that can hold all of you. Where do you do group therapy? Exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh. So she did decide she was going to go. She was just going to show up late. Uh, and Amesh runs into her. But she wanted to tell a story tonight. A very personal one. She'd still like to if anyone should hear it. She wants it to be Amesh anyway. Because she really wants to open up and let him in. And let him know who she really is. Uh, and that's where we get our story. Which, again, the quick version. And then I'll kind of dive into more things. Oh, this one's rough. Um, There's not a lot of super hidden metaphors. It's pretty simple, but it's powerful and important. Uh, So in this story, Teresa is the character, which is Natsuki. I mean, as we find out, she's literally just telling her own story almost exactly as it happened. I mean, there's a lot of floor, you know, a lot of, you know, embellishing. Yeah, she's kind of the mental part of it and the, the scary story version of it. Yeah, but. But it's legit, like, exactly what she did. And, you know, so in the story, Teresa needs to get away, quote unquote. Uh, She's taking a drive to nowhere, as in no particular destination, or nowhere as in oblivion, as in after, as in nothing. Right. Uh, So that's where, you know, the the content warning definitely comes in. Uh, (laughs) We talked about. Uh, So when she takes off, she finds these two very strange people. Uh, who throughout the road, and you know, man, the, I could explain a lot more about this, but I can't do it justice. The way of just letting it unfold visually in this episode does it's kind of amazing how it actually plays out. So yes. I'm not even going to try to embellish or like a lot of this because I'm just just watch it again if you really want a lot of that because I can't tell it the way that they show it. The reveals and things are just incredible. Visually, it was, <laughs> in my opinion. Very well done for yeah. telling Natsuki's story. I thought visually that is, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So these, these two people that she runs into, 
uh, leading her back and forth in instances where she should care about something enough to fix the problem or ignore it and give up. And she's always given that choice between the two, pushing her in different directions. It's this metaphorical angel and devil on your shoulders, right? Uh, one's pushing her to live and the other pushing her to give up and let go. Leaving her with the decision, that's the main thing. Uh, as much as they can tell her what to do or what not to do, we get the reveal, really, they're her. Right. And it's these two parts of her, and it's up to her. her she's the decision. Uh, there's a lot of hidden details in the story that lead to that reveal. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. It did. It did um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did not hit me right away. It did. Took me a bit there. Yeah. But yeah, but it, in the end of the story, this version of the story, she chooses to live. Uh, so I was going to get this note out of the way before I got into the really heavy stuff. Our best friend, Henry Thomas, is back. Yay. Hey, best friend, Henry uh, Thomas. <laughs> He's so good. Close and personal best friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? We bonded. Y'all yeah. say what you want. We bonded in yeah. Chicago. We sure did. All the minutes we spent with that man. Yes. Were, no one can ever take away. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, Alex so a bit more, Esso uh, as well. Um, we're not best friends, yeah. but she was in Midnight Mass. She was in Haunting mm -hmm. a Blind Manor. She was in Dr. Sleep. Yes. Which we also covered. Go watch that or listen. go watch and then listen to us if you haven't. Uh, she was uh, really great. Yeah, that. she was so good, incredible. Good to see some more cameos there. Yeah, they were, they were great in this. Uh, so yeah, a couple more little specific details and hence, uh, I mean, again, really, it's all just a metaphor for Natsuki when she was in this place deciding to take her own life. And she's questioning all of these things that Poppycorn, Alex Esso's character, uh, is kind of doing, you know. Who did you want to be? Is there anything that you still want to do? Uh, picturing herself as a kid and how she's gotten from there to here. Uh, you know, she's got the one voice telling her to kill the engine, get out of the car. And the other voice telling her it's going to hurt to keep living. So just keep the car running. Let it take you away. Uh, what voice do you listen to? Because it's really just yourself. So you're, you're battling with that. But there's a lot of little details throughout the story that kind of hint what's going on. That, of course, on second watch, knowing where it's going, you're going to catch them a lot clearer. Yeah. Absolutely. From the beginning of when Teresa gets in the car and leaves, uh, the garage door, we don't ever see it open mm -hmm. right from the get-go. Uh, the song that's playing in the car, she's driving off, it's Wave of Mutilation by the Pixies. And the lyrics there are very, I mean, all the music that's playing in the car, lyrically, is very dark and depressing and talking about suicide and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, of course, the couple she picks up are Freedom Jack and Poppycorn, which are the characters from the Christopher Pike book that she was reading to Tristan early in the season. Or that she was writing. Or was she writing? She was <laughs> writing it as she was reading it to Tristan. Because uh -huh. Christopher Pike doesn't exist in the universe. The right, kids right, are writing right, yeah. the stories. But yeah, yeah, she was kind of fleshing it out with tr with Tristan. So we heard those characters. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, is it not to Christopher Pike? Does he exist? <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I guess I didn't catch that she was writing that. So she was telling her this story right. that's cool i just kind of put that together <laughs> you saying that so adds another level to it um so we've kind of heard a little bit of this before yeah even with the line about you know how can you be a rock band with a name like chad uh <laughs> remember her saying that to tristan as well yeah uh some very fucking dark visual clues but they're there uh like mm -hmm. poppycorn smoking in the back seat is a visual clue to the carbon monoxide the smoke yeah uh of course the hitchhiker that they keep walking by which turns out to be 
Teresa or, you know, mm-hmm. in different, you know, degrade, you know, degrading forms. Uh, or, you know, and, and Poppy Corn even says something about that hitchhiker, which is Teresa, which is Natsuki. Again, you know, Poppy Corn has a line that says, maybe they don't know they need help or maybe they don't know how to ask. And that line really hit me oh my knowing where this was going. Yeah. Um, you need both. <laughs> Uh, and then there's just a lot of nods to, you know, Henry Thomas's character, Freedom Jack, constantly keep the car running, keep the car running, don't kill the engine, keep it going. Uh, the smell filling the car, the tennis balls, all of those things, they kind of keep adding to it. Uh, Jack has that moment talking about being a killer, which is kind of true about his role mm-hmm. that he's playing. That's the outcome he's pushing for. You know, whenever they step out of the car and he comes busting out of the, the convenience store, out of the gas station. Get back in the car. We got to go, go. And him getting there and they're in the car. He goes, whoo, that was a close one. He's talking about Teresa getting out of the car. That was his, his mission almost failed. Yeah. That was a close one for him, not for them. Uh, so yeah, so there's a lot of things I could really dig into, but watch it, <laughs> you know, watch it again to really take those things in. But the end of the story is. It's time for this week's uh, edition of the segment that I've been referring to as Flanagan! Uh, Does it again. (laughs) You know, he got us with episode seven, and you thought, okay, that's going to be the big one, right? But um, (laughs) this this one, (laughs) this this one challenges it for sure. Right. So, yeah. So, this ending, we have the two versions of Teresa, or really, Natsuki, talking to themselves and herself. It is the most striking representation of depression I have maybe ever seen. And as I'm saying this, I'm already trying to fight back tears. I'm like, oh, God, here it goes. Yeah. Um, but it, it just resonated with me and had me bawling, like shaking, crying while watching this. Uh, you know, the two passengers in your head with the line, you know, you'll carry us both with you always. And we're going to argue in your mind always. And it'll be so fucking hard. But I will help you carry her. That. Uh, that. The importance of holding on. One more moment. One more second. Just see what happens next. It's fucking powerful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so while watching this and talking about it, I was like, you know, I'm going to add to this. I felt like I should say it. So anyone that watched this episode, anyone listening to our podcast right now, if this episode, if this story resonates with you similarly, like it did to me, if you ever need help, get help. Ask for help. It's okay. To not be okay. Reach out. There are lifelines available to you. They ended this episode with one. They had the, you know, at the end of the episode, if you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, information and resources are available. www.wantatalkaboutit.com, which is Netflix owned. And they have links to all kinds of different crisis lifelines and, and centers. And I'll throw in one as well that's included in that. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is now 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Just simple to connect to is dialing 988. It's there. Use it if you need it. You and those that know you will be thankful that you did. Don't have to ride alone in this life, you know? No, <laughs> you, you don't. And you're so right. Thank you for, for saying that. I'll put links uh, in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage anyone who's had any type of thoughts like that to please please reach out to someone calling absolutely a resource reaching out to a friend um family someone uh because you're wanted uh here in this life um yeah (sighs) so yeah the the thing with this story is it's 
like I mentioned, it's, it's not complicated by its metaphors. It's literally, like I said, Natsuki just telling what happened to her. It's her story. Mm-hmm. Except in the real version, she didn't escape that carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, she chose to live, she, but it was too late. Right. Uh, she did get out, but it wasn't quite like that. Her mom found her, right? right. Yeah. 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 She would have died if it wasn't, you know, if her mother hadn't found her and saved her. And with that cruel twist of fate, of course, when she recovered from the suicide attempt, the doctors found that she had ovarian cancer. I remember that as her diagnosis from episode one, uh, because that's the same thing that took my own mother. So that's oh, a memorable God. term to me for sure. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I recognize it. So I remember that. So it is a cruel twist of fate. And so you look at it and you're like, yeah, Natsuki has had a rough go. Like depression's a fucking heartless bitch. And so is cancer. So as Amesh said to her, he's glad that she's still there, even if just a little while longer. The effect that she has in his life and in others, the connections, friendships, experiences, as strange and morbid as they may be, that she still gets to have with the remainder of her life. Like, And again, just to put that out there, I mean, life is fucking hard. Yeah. It's work. But it's worth it to see what it brings. Because, yeah, it brings hardships and it brings pain. But you know what? It also brings love and companionship and joy and every other good thing, too. So. Again, hold on. One more minute. One more moment. You know? Yeah, because I I can I can tell you that yes, this this moment is hard, but it get it will get better, and it feels like mm-hmm. it won't get better, but it will. And this uh, her story um, hit me too, uh, and like you said, it was it hit me like a ton of bricks because I've don't think I've seen quite an accurate visual representation of yeah what it's like to deal with depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, I have been there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm someone who, who deals with depression and anxiety <laughs> in my own life. And yeah, so that's what I said is that scene, that line of her saying, you know, we're always going to be with you. It's, it, it sucks. It's heavy, but that's the real that's the truth of the matter is, yeah, depression isn't something that you can just get over. And it's something that's going to cling to you and be there with you. And it's the way that you address it and the way that you understand it, talking about it mm-hmm. breaks the stigma. You know, those are the things that you have to do. And I love this show for doing that is really, you know, and a lot of shows have done it. It's nothing new now. Thank God, you know, that that people are way more open about talking about these things and reaching out. Than yes. The, they the stigma were back in the times, yeah. you know, that this is set. In I'm, and- I'm so glad that there's been more of a light, you know, that has been put on, you know, depression and anxiety and, you know, dealing and getting help for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Because in when we first heard Natsuki mention, you know, well, Dr. Stanton says that I'm depressed. Well, this is like 1995, I believe, that we're in. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't really a whole lot of discussion about it. You, you didn't talk about it. It wasn't talked yeah. about. You, you know, it just wasn't as encouraged to talk about, you know, like it is now. Like there's so much, you know, help to be to be given if you you reach out it's there and you know you think of all the young people that might have you know it had there been a a light shine upon it then how many we could have saved and prevented you know because there was such a stigma 
you know, before about talking about it or even admitting, you know, that you're depressed. And, you know, I've talked before, like I definitely feel, you know, I was just like around the same age as these kids, you know, in, in, yeah. in the nineties. And, um, so hearing her talk about being depressed and what she's going through, I was at a younger age when I went through it's, it's, it's a lifelong struggle, of course, but my deepest parts were at a, a very young age and seeing that visual representation, hearing freedom, Jack saying, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Mm. And, you know, like you said, encouraging Teresa to keep driving, stay in the car, keep it running and arguing with you that it's easier. It's yeah. if you do this, you know, that this is the right path. But then you've also got that voice in your head like, no, what about all these other things? You know, like she like uh, Poppycorn is saying, well, what about the things that you're still wanting to do or, you know goals in life and things like that seeing that visual representation of those voices in your head one arguing Mm. for you to 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 carry it out and to keep going or the one telling you no you have more to live for uh keep fighting that it's not going to be easy but it's worth it and Mm. that there there will be people in your life that make it worth it and if 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 I hadn't pulled through, I wouldn't have my daughter today. And I can't yeah. imagine. There's a lot more too. There's a lot of people in my life I'm so thankful to have in my life. And I wouldn't have you and the rest of our group and friends in my life if I didn't listen to the good voice, you know, that that pulled me out of that. Um, but my daughter especially. Uh so there's you know, it, it, that hit hard, that hit hard. I've had that struggle and, um, you know, almost didn't make it. So I, I just, you know, want to say, keep going. Um, it's going to hurt, but you'll, you'll carry it through and there will be people in your life that will help you because you don't have to do it, um, alone. And I think it's interesting that, we were talking about Stanton and Alonka and about the cruelty of telling someone that they're going to die, give them hope that they'd live. And it turns out that they're actually dying. That's exactly what Natsuki's story was too. You know, that she was going to die, decided she wanted to live. She made the decision. I want to live. Gets to the hospital and then finds out she's still going to die anyway, only yeah. slower and uh, in a different way. It, that, I thought that was interesting. That, that's what this whole episode was kind of about. Um, right. And that's what happened basically in Natsuki's life is that she, she wanted to die. She tried to unalive herself. She had made her peace with it, but then actually wanting to live, she was saved only for the doctors to tell her. That, hey, you thought you had this lease on life, but hey, guess what? Now you have a terminal right. illness. Um, and it's and that's, you know, we see Natsuki still struggling and battling and having that conversation with her depression through this series. And I'm sure, yeah, because that's a lot to go through. And so even now, yeah. she's like, was it even worth it? Because now I'm dying of cancer. But as she's seeing this moment she has with Amesh. Yeah. 
their their kiss, their embrace, their friendship, their relationship, all these things. It's like I think she's realizing, yeah, it, it was still worth it. Sucks, but it is worth mm-hmm. it because I would not have had a mesh in my life. I wouldn't have had these people in my life, these experiences. And you don't know that until you just you make that choice to keep fighting and keep going. Yeah. It it gets better. It does. Mm. I'll 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 tell you that it it does from experience and and from the voices in my head saying that no it won't. Um <laughs> listening to the voice that says yes you'll get through it and it'll be worth it. There will be people that will make it worth it. You'll make it worth it, you know, by doing the things in your life. Yeah. Um just it yeah, it's it. it's hard to see it. Yeah, it's hard to see it from from a vantage point sometimes. You're like I don't see anything getting better. I don't see how, but like, you know, you gave kind of your example. I mean, with me, I'm glad that I decided to give more moments. No, give it another day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or I would never have the job I have today that saved my life, you know? (laughs) And the difference that you make in people's lives, in your job and in when you volunteer, because I know you do a lot of volunteering Mm with, with, you know, little kids young kids and you're an influence to them and you can take all that you've learned and pass that on so think of the impact of you know their lives that you wouldn't do otherwise and Mm -hmm. that is so worth it there's so much more too but think of think of that too so yeah it's this this was a tough one. I did not yeah. expect this at all. I knew we had heard that, you know, when when she talked about having depression, but I had no idea that that was where her story was going to go. Uh, I thought they told it very well, and I I I like that they were able to tell the story that, but they also did add, you know, kind of the horror element. You know, when they're showing Natsuki, mm-hmm. you know, walking down the road, that was creepy. When Freedom Jack and Poppy Corn were in the car, they definitely alluded to, you know, like they're this murder couple or something, you know, they were very strange right. and you didn't quite know what, where the story was going. And you're just thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? Is this turning into a very creepy story? I had no clue when that was starting, where it was going to go. Hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm not going to get that. It's going to hurt. Out of my head anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that was um, that was my number one. Obviously, um, big big part of the story, and obviously the most impactful um, of this episode. Did you have some notes? I pretty much covered everything, other than let's just leave it on a bigger downer note. <laughs> Uh, can we add the only other note i i know the only other note i have is just another really like bummer of a note but we see a mesh when he goes to visit mark that yes he's still like deteriorating a little bit he's getting weaker he's getting clumsier Mm. he's able to kind of laugh it off and try to like cover it up but i mean we clearly see that he's been struggling and it just it makes me worried and sad. I'm sitting there watching that scene, just going like, "God damn it, he's going to be another really hard one if it goes there to take." Like I was just like, ah, "Don't do this to me." <laughs> yeah. Don't put me through Anya, and then let me go through all of this with you know Natsuki's story. And it's like, 
It's like going into the show. It's like, I know what this is. They're all terminally ill, but like still we've got so connected to them. It's like, don't you dare take any more away from me. I'm so eating my words when we started the show. Like I'm just having trouble, I think kind of connecting and that is all out the window. Thank right. you, Mike Flanagan. You know, mm-hmm. um, y- you just got to pro- trust the process. <laughs> <laughs> trust the process that Mike Flanagan is going to tear you to shreds, you know, or your emotions anyway, to shreds and make you care about everyone. Yeah, that that scared me for Amesh when he stumbled trying to get onto the exam table. Mm-hmm. And I know Mark, you know, was like, hey, are you okay? And I think he was trying to take his word for it that he was when he was just trying to brush it off. But I hope that he's paying attention. Yeah. And um, gets gets him some more attention because obviously something is, is not okay. And yeah, I have definitely grown to love Amesh. I think he's so sweet and I like his humor. Mm-hmm. And it's really touching to see him and Natsuki, their relationship grow as well. Yeah. Love seeing how he comforts her and how he's just there for her and doesn't doesn't judge her um, for how she feels and giving her her space when she asked for it. That's that stuff means a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think the only other note that I have, I I, I jotted down a couple of things that. Shasta was talking about with the four humors. I'd never heard of that before. And I know she has this obsession about the ancient Greeks and it's come up a couple of times uh, in the story. I decided to just quickly look it up and it looks like Hippocrates is kind of credited with developing the theory. He's kind of the founder of like, like modern medicine. Like they have the Hippocratic oath still today that you know doctors take when they become doctors and they take the oath the hippocratic oath you know um do no harm essentially there's obviously more to it than that and i know that but that's essentially do no harm um so he's credited with that um and it it did kind of become a mainstay let's see according to my notes here mainstay of medical belief for two thousand years and just like Shasta said, the Greeks believed that the body was made up of four main components of four humors. These four humors needed to remain balanced in order for people to remain healthy. The four humors were li- liquids within the body, uh, blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Ugh. Um, these could be connected to the four seasons of the year. Yellow bile with summer, black bile with autumn, phlegm with winter, blood with spring. Uh, Hippocrates and other Greek practitioners argue that the balance of the four humors would be most affected in those particular seasons. For example, if someone has a fever, they would have been thought to have had too much blood in their body. The logical cure, therefore, is to bleed the patient. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they used uh, the four humors as a diagnostic tool um, that would help result in them looking for symptoms. Um, And this is like the first time the clinical observation of a patient was recorded. You know, the ancient Greeks used to kind of attribute illnesses to the gods like you've angered the gods or something and they've struck you with an illness or something and this was kind of more of a modern way of you know the body something within the body making you ill and it sounds like that they kind of followed this for quite some time but then of course you know there was more of the germ theory that kind of came along so you know that there's actually other things that can you know make you ill it's not all 
right. was within the body. So it's yeah. it's interesting that Shasta has this her own obsession, I guess, if you will. You know, talking about Alonka's right. obsession, but her She's obsession kind of, as well with this. Yeah, it's <laughs> not another soapbox, but maybe a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, I wonder because you're like, yeah, the ancient Greeks believed this, yada yada yada. Okay, cool, but you know, then modern science like came about and medical science evolved and we realized that was bullshit. So like, isn't that We've evolved <laughs> since then? Shasta, and there's yes. And I was trying to, cause she said, you know, excess black bile in the body can make you sick, but then they're like adding black bile into the tea. And I'm like, well, how does that add up? Uh, yeah. It sounds like they that's... only do it for themselves apparently. And they don't put it into the public, but it sounded so gross. Girl, like, yeah, she's like, well, <laughs> You know, she's like, "Oh, that's that's ours. Um, don't worry, we're it, it's not out in like our general tea for that." But I'm like, "Only we drink our own in each other's bile." Anyway, you want to join my group? I, I, I'm like, <laughs> what you know? What? Yeah, no. I still feel like this is not a good practice, even if you're not putting it out there to like selling your tea and you're putting that in there. <laughs> I, I, I'm not drinking someone else's bile. This no. is that is. I can't think of, well, there are, I'm sure other disgusting things, but I'm just like, what, what make this make sense. Right. Um, but anyway, just, I, I was like, I have never one. I just wanted to, I mean, I assume that I, I feel like Mike Flanagan and his team of writers, you know, do their fact checking and things like that, that this probably did exist or it is the real thing. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I have never heard of this, you know, at all. Uh, I, I am not, I will not claim to be as smart as what Alonka thinks she is by any means, but I've always been very interested in like the ancient Greeks and, and mythology and uh, history as well. So I've done a lot of reading about the ancient Greeks and never heard of anything like that. So I just had to go look that up. So that's what, that's just a quick, there's more to it if you want to go out and read it. But I just thought, well, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. I'm not quite sure how Shasta is trying to, like how this ties into her healing, um, yeah. you know, beliefs and what she thinks that exactly has to do with this ritual and healing properties and things. Um, and why, again, yes, why would you, if black bile is bad, why would you incorporate that? I'm not sure. Uh, that's all the notes that I had, though. I think we've, I think we've covered everything else. That was a doozy, and now my nose is all mm -hmm. stuffy. Great. Uh, <laughs> just got my nose cleared up, and here we go. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move into listener feedback. Um, we didn't get any Facebook feedback this week, and it might be my fault because um, I don't know if everyone saw that we were recording uh, a night earlier than what we normally do, and that's my fault. I have more travel this week. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to be available to record on our normal days. So, yeah. so we may get more feedback for this episode next week, and that's fine. If you still yeah. have thoughts that you want to send in to us, we will get to them. Yeah, absolutely. Like always, if you want to write in on any episode, as long as it's not ahead. Um, yeah, right. in advance. Don't do that to us. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> write in on an advanced uh, episode. But if you want to talk about this episode or any other previous episode that we've covered, um, if you didn't, if you were not aware of the deadline. Please do so, and uh, sorry if I didn't get that announcement out soon enough. Um, do you want to take... We did get an email, though. Daphne came through yeah. for us and gave Yay. us an email, if you want to read that one. 
Yeah, I can read that. Uh, so from Daphne says, Hi, Riemann Paik, Natsuki's autobiographical, autobiographical story. Here, I can say that word. Uh, <laughs> broke me, as did Spencer's cathartic speech to his mother. Since Amesh and Natsuki were added to, for TV and not characters in the book, I like how their addition adds to the story as a whole. Instead of a group meeting, we get the intimate moments between the two as Natsuki starts to let her walls down and let Amesh in to get to know really who she is and what she's been through. Natsuki's story of Teresa was taken from Pike's book, Road to Nowhere, which mostly matches how Natsuki told it to Amesh. One exception is that the three, Teresa, Poppycorn, and Freedom Jack, each share stories, much like uh, as we see from our Midnight Club. I wanted to share the following non-spoilery quote by Christopher Pike from a Screen Rant article regarding Flanagan's adaptation of his novel. You can't love every change, that's impossible, but on the whole, I would say that Mike Flanagan and his producer Trevor Macy got the soul of the books. I think they did a hell of a job, but I knew Mike was going to do a good job when I saw his movies and his shows. And whether they were ancient Greek humors or not, let's not talk about bile. Daphne. <laughs> I'm with you, Daphne. Can we please yeah. not talk about that? Ew. Uh, well, that's an interesting quote. I think, you know, if Christopher Pike is giving his approval, then he must yeah. be okay with you know, whatever changes. And I can't speak to the changes. Thanks to Daphne providing, you know, the differences between the books and the show and things like that. It's kind of interesting to hear. Maybe we'll all be able to look up some more of that once we get to that last episode, Um, you know, to kind of see those changes or hear about those changes and, you know, but it sounds like he got his seal of approval. It's gotta be hard for an author to see someone take your work and kind of put their own interpretation or perspectives and things like that you feel i mean it's yours yeah. right it's 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 your work and because it's the first series that flanagan has done that's covering the works of an author that's still alive is not i think so I, I, yeah like he's done some well, doctor sleep like movie or doctor sleep like stephen yeah, king movies yeah. and stuff but that's but like as far as like a series it's like taking a lot of different things from one author and kind of putting them together into one story mainly under one umbrella story. I think this is the first author that he's done that's still alive that can actually look at his work and be like, well. Because Midnight Mass was completely his own, as far as I know. I think so. So, yeah, it's good. You know, just give the man permission and let him do his magic, because I I think he does a pretty damn good job, too. Thank you, Daphne, for providing that. I really appreciate that. All right, we did get a voice message this week from Jade. Let's see what she has to say. Hello, Rima and Paik. OMG, this episode was a doozy. Um, <laughs> I think it's my least favorite episode. Well, it's one of my least favorite ep- I, I don't know. I feel bad saying that because the last episode, we just came off such a high. It's a really tough act to follow. I don't know if anything is going to better it in my eyes ever, Um, but I feel bad saying that this is a least favorite because it has one of the best performances in it. From Aya Furukawa, I think is how you say her name, as Natsuki. I mean, bravo. This girl, she can act, okay? And I knew it. I knew she could. I'm so glad we got to see it. So the reason this episode wasn't as exciting. It's just because I think it felt disjointed. Like I kept feeling like it stopped and started at every scene. The characters were very separate and like in their own shows. And it's unusual for this show when everything usually feels very cohesive. Although I loved the stuff with Spence, Chris Sumter 
great little actor. His scene was awesome. I loved it, but it felt very shoehorned in and a bit obligatory in order to have like closure with his character before the season is wrapped. And I, I love the message. I love the acting. I love it all. But for my money, it just felt very ham-fisted. Maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but that's kind of how this episode felt to me. So let's get into it. Alonka, okay, Alonka's, you're really, she's really getting annoying to me. Okay, <laughs> we talked about this last time. For as smart as this girl is supposed to be, she is really obnoxious and incredibly oblivious. Her immaturity just astounds me. Like running to Shasta, like mommy, when daddy Stanton says no, you know, she's like, can't handle. It's like, you're going to find out eventually who is cured. Okay. But when Stanton is sure. So you need to have patience and like, wait a day or two. Okay. It's not going to kill you. And then as predicted, Shasta is trying to recruit her into her cult. We said this was going to happen uh, when I was on the episode last time. Now, Shasta is very, very clearly after the journal, and she be thirsty. Man, she's getting desperate, and it is incredibly obvious, but Alonka doesn't see it, of course. Like, I'm sorry, I, I'm, when, when someone says to you they're collecting their communal bile in, in jars, I, I'm, I'm sorry, red flags. <laughs> yeah, this woman, she said the Paragon lost their way, but um, Shasta, excuse me, uh, this episode <laughs> firmly cemented for me that Shasta is Julia Jane, because clearly she has never seen Stanton's diary before. And the it's like the direct source, you know, of info that she's always wanted and to, to use to expand her cult. And I think that she would probably get the secret of, you know, survival and long life and everything from this diary and she would probably keep it to herself and then dilute it and like bottle it and mass produce it to exploit the crap out of the magical land that she's edging her way toward that like Stanton owns all of this magical property and she's like as close as humanly possible to that property so her goal is probably to make as much money as she can and like buy Stanton off the property um, and Alonka is obviously just a stepping stone to get there. She's like her little way into the hospital right now. And she's very clearly making these empty promises to Alonka that, oh, yes, we, we're going to use the, the answers to help heal all of your friends at Brightcliff. And I'm just only wanting to help you and everyone's going to get better. And like, yeah, right. Laya. Now for my favorite moment of the episode, Aya Furukawa and her acting. Oh my gosh, it was great. But the the thing is, the reason that this episode wasn't as exciting as I think it could have been is that the story was incredibly predictable. I'm sorry to say. The whole time Natsuki was telling the story, I knew she was in the garage. It was very obvious when that garage door was closed at the beginning that she never left the garage. And she was complaining about the smell in the car the whole time. And I was like, okay, I see what this is. But whatever. I mean, it, the, the point of it wasn't probably to keep that a big secret, but to tell this really, really heartwarming story. I loved the story so much. Oh my God, I loved Natsuki's whole storyline this was incredibly just bravo bravo mike flanagan you nailed it man this was the story that she was telling to tristan before tristan died i think that where she left off is where this story begins so she was probably going to tell tristan clearly that was like her best friend and the person she was closest to which now makes that even more heartbreaking in retrospect and so does the uh the fact that she put those car keys into the fire for anya 
God, it just it's I love how this show keeps hitting you like harder and harder. The more you get to know these characters, it like makes things that have happened already even more heartbreaking. Great. <laughs> but it, it is it is great. It was just wonderful to see a story dealing with depression. I don't think that we see it enough on TV these days or ever. And now more than ever, I think it's really important for people to know they're not alone because so many, you know, young and old, depression knows no age limits. So many people suffer with depression. And I really hope that this gets through, especially to young adults dealing with this. When I was in high school, I ha we had nothing like this on TV to identify with. The closest thing was like maybe Buffy went pretty dark sometimes. But I don't know, most shows when I was growing up in high school, they were very after school special when dealing with heavy subject matter. And although a lot of my friends I now know, were, we were all dealing with depression, we never talked about it. And for a long time, we didn't even really know what to call it. And I think my life could have been a lot different if I had had things like this to look to and to see that I wasn't alone. And so this came really close to home for me. I related so hard. And I just think it's an extremely accurate portrayal of depression. So anyway, Kevin. Last time we predicted that Kevin seemed like he'd been in the basement before, because the first time when he and Alonka discovered the basement, he wouldn't get off the elevator, right? And he seemed all too familiar with it. Like he knew what lived down there. Like he was, he really seemed like he was trying to protect Ilanka from something. That's the vibe I'm seriously getting from him. And it's the reason that he's always telling her, her ideas are crazy. And like, she should stop pursuing her Nancy Drew trail of clues. So he clearly knows something, but I don't think he knows fully what's going on either. I think that he and Ilanka are both being possessed by these creepy old ghosts. And I don't think those ghosts are evil. I think that the ghosts are trying to help them by like showing them flashes of the future and what's to come in order to, I don't know. I don't know what they want. I don't know what these ghosts want, but Kevin and Alonka, they both recognized each other before they met and they were like having deja vu with each other. And then now they're both sleepwalking. And I think that they're like losing time because whenever they sleepwalk, they wake up in places and they don't understand how they got there. And they're going back in time. They're seeing flashes of history. And they're like being led by these ghost entities into the basement. I don't know. I don't know what this all means. There's something to do with time flashing back with these ghosts. But my new theory about the don't sign in the basement, I think it had to be put there by Kevin. And I don't think he was lucid while he was doing it. I don't think he could have been because if he was that against this ritual being performed, uh, I, I don't think he would have participated in the ritual in the way that he did. So I think that it was him and his like sleepwalking hypnotized state that these ghosts told him to put don't in the basement so that they wouldn't mess with the dark entities that are around because obviously someone died. So that's what I think. I'm sorry about this going for so long, but there is a lot to get into. And goddamn, I just can't wait to see what happens next. And I really want some answers. But I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. And I will talk to you later. Bye. Wow. That was really great. Yeah. Thank you, Jade. As always. So many great thoughts. Yeah. Always so <laughs> many great thoughts. And Jade had a lot of great things to say. I just want to let everyone know I did kind of edit some of this down um, just for time. But um, yeah, as always, Jade had a lot of great things to say. So thank you so much, Jade, for uh, leaving that voice message. Keep it coming.
Yes. And thank you everyone for your feedback and your contributions. Uh, I look forward to hearing, you know, what everyone has to say. We've only got a couple more episodes to go. It's going to be a lot of thoughts. Um, keep sending in that feedback. We love it. Uh, next week here on Strange Indeed, we will be covering the penultimate episode, episode nine of the Midnight Club titled The Eternal Enemy. Um, no right. clue what that means. I, I, I stopped trying to like figure yeah. out what things mean because a lot of it's just kind of stories of the week and kind of not necessarily related to like the overarching story moving forward. Right. So we'll just see what happens. Yeah. I'm just, I've, I've finally just kind of let that go. I'm like, I don't even, I'm not even going to try to think about what it might mean. Uh, it's most likely going to be, like you said, story of the week. So kind of let that go but we will be back to our our regular recording schedule on tuesdays so for anyone who's like when do i put in feedback y'all are all over the place with your <laughs> recording <Yeah>. schedule <laughs> wednesday then a monday then a tuesday we're, we're back on tuesday yeah. it's been like i said we've had a lot of travel going on a lot of uh, holidays and just so many things that it's kind of really thrown our schedule off a little bit but uh, all of that should be hopefully resolved by next week, and we'll be back to our regular day uh, for the next couple of weeks to finish out the Midnight Club. So, yeah, please be sure to get your uh, feedback in, and uh, look forward to hearing about it and wh- what everyone thinks. Yeah. Everyone's had some really great thoughts. We've got such fantastic listeners. Yes, thank you all so yeah. much. So, for any of you, you already know what to do. But for those who mm-hmm. maybe haven't written in or whatever too much uh we'd love to hear from you as well so if you have any thoughts you can always write us leave us messages feedback all of that and you can find all of the contact information over at podcastica.com yeah and while you're there be sure to check out our other shows gosh too many to name uh, i know andor is just wrapping up Andor just wrapped yep. yeah uh they've started season three of dead to me coverage of of dead to me so if you've had a chance to listen to the catch-up episodes uh they've started now with season three so be sure to check Mm -hmm. that out go give them some love over on that podcast give them give them some likes reviews and subscribe and subscribe to all of your favorite podcastica shows um Uh everyone would appreciate that and uh, i think i just saw the final episode for the walking dead series finale that popped up it is, up it is i think out yeah. now so I have to go listen to that yeah get get ready so i was there for the live <laughs> podcast the quick version but now let's see and really dive into we it. we <laughs> were there for the live uh podcast for sure you'll hear us probably somewhere in there screaming about something uh, and and yelling out along with everyone else. So we were there for the live version, but uh, the official uh, version with Jason and Lucy, uh, I believe just was released. So by the time you're hearing us, that should be available. Go out and give that a listen because I'm sure, sure it's worth the wait. Yes. And while you're doing all your community service for podcasts, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, review, subscribe, follow, download. Strange indeed over on Apple Podcasts. Thank you in advance. And anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. We, we love it. <laughs> Thank you. And speaking of great podcasts, make sure you check out Pake and Daphne and their podcast, Run for Your Lives. Yes, we will be back this week. Yay. We are 
Because last week, again, I said, I was like, are we like the six, the eight something? And then Daphne, I said, if I'm wrong, Daphne will let me know. Well, I was wrong and Daphne let me know. Uh, <laughs> she keeps you on so yeah, task. <laughs> the second, I believe, which is Friday this week. So yeah, we're back this week. So on Friday, right. uh, just December. So we're into December, into Christmas month. So uh, what better way to wrap up, you know, jump into the Christmas season than to release our episode covering the Marvel Halloween special, <laughs> Werewolf by Night. Um, right. But yeah, so we, we did that because it was one of those was like, man, this would have been best to release around Halloween because that's what it is. But we had so many other things going on in October that kept us busy. Mm-hmm. So we we're like, we'll, we'll record it. We'll have it, but we'll hold on to it till December when we come back. So we are huge Marvel fans, but we don't get to talk Marvel on Run for Your Lives very often. So it was awesome to finally get to jump into the MCU over there and nerd out about that a little bit. Awesome. Love to hear it. Well, we'll have to be sure to check that out. All right. That is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Pake. And Rebecca Cantu-Davidson is strange indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.